This is Andrea Harkins. Welcome to the Martial Arts Woman Podcast. This podcast is devoted to martial art women who make a difference. In today's show, we talk once again with Tiffany Richards, who's been on the show in the past. But today's show is a little different because we're going to talk about specifically what women need to know about effective self-defense. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome back to the Martial Arts Women podcast. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate it. Yeah, today's show for our listeners, today's show is a little different because I typically focus on the martial art woman and her life, which we've done for you. So hopefully people will go back and listen to that and learn a little bit about your background. But today we're going to discuss a really important topic, and that's why self-defense programs are so important for women, especially the right kind of programs, the good programs. I know you have a program, and so that's going to really help us focus on this topic. And the name of your program is the Peaceful Warrior Woman Program. That's right. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about why it stands apart from other self-defense programs. But maybe even more importantly, our focus is really why women need to consider a good self-defense program and what makes some better than others. I think yours really helps us define that and also speaks to women about how they can protect themselves and overcome some issues. But first, this. Please pick up my motivational books, The Martial Arts Woman and Martial Art Inspirations for Everyone, available on Amazon, or contact me for signed copies or more information. Definitely. So let's get started with a little bit of your background and as i said we've already done a podcast about your entire background and all of the (laughs) really fascinating things that you do but when we're talking about self-defense what is your background in self-defense from a martial art perspective well um i have a personal story but first of all I've, i've been training martial arts for 24 years so i i've done extensive training in various systems and continue to train um, so that that's part of it. But yeah, but what kind of got me into all of this is my I, you know, when I was a kid, I was really into karate. I might have told you that in the last in the last interview that I did where I would I grew up in a really small town. I would watch Bruce Lee movies and WWE wrestling and I'd body slam my mom's pillows on her yeah. sofa. And, <laughs> you know, like I, I really loved that kind of stuff. I wasn't really in, and other than drama, I really, I like drama as well. And and I was in the drama club and all the plays and everything, but I could never find a, a sport that kind of emulated what I was watching on TV. And so I didn't do karate as a kid, like a lot of people. Um, it wasn't until I graduated, moved to Phoenix and I found a job in a dojo and I've been training martial arts ever since. So interesting thing is, is when I was in my early 20s, I was in a really massively abusive relationship and um, horrible stuff. You know, like I, I remember the very first time he hit me, he had asked me if I had ever been punched by a man before. And when then he proceeded to punch me through my sliding glass door, um, I had been pushed down a flight of stairs. I had been I've had furniture thrown at me, dishes thrown at me. 
uh, of course, all the mental abuse, the name calling, Mm -hmm. the you're never going to find anybody to love you, all of those things that women who are in these types of situations experience, they don't experience just the physical. It's mental, it's emotional. I mean, it's, it just runs the gamut. So, but the crazy thing is, and this is what I tell people in my program is that I was doing karate at the time. I was absolutely doing karate. I was going to the dojo and, and training. And of course he was super jealous of that. But, um, when I started teaching women's self-defense, because this was something that when I, when I finally, I, it was about uh, 700 consecutive days of abuse mm-hmm. before I finally got enough courage to leave. And it was, it was truly just a snap. Like one day I just, it just clicked and I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. And What's most that- fascinating. Well, let's just step back for a minute because I think it's really important. And really fascinating actually that you were training at the time you were being abused. I think, I think this happens to women and they think, well, I, I should know what I'm doing. I should be able to take Mm -hmm. care of myself or why Mm -hmm. am I not fighting back? I'm, I, I'm training in martial arts. Right. Maybe, maybe it is a small niche of women that encounter that. I'm not sure, but it's the embarrassment, I guess, is probably part of it afterwards, recognizing that you're a trained martial artist and yet you're in an abusive situation. Yeah. It, it's not that I had any doubt in my mind that I could physically take care of myself. Mm -hmm. It was the mental component. Yeah. Um, it was being scared that if I did, or if I left or would I ever find someone, I mean, it was all of those things. And I think, and I know we'll touch on this too, but I think that's what a lot of programs lack is, is Mm -hmm. that mental and, and emotional and spiritual component as well, because, you have to first make the decision that you're capable. You have to believe that you're capable. You have to see yourself thriving in another situation besides that. And so, so that's, I think the hard part for women. And I think that's what a lot of these programs kind of miss as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me a little bit. I know that you mentioned to me because the women who are coming to these programs or your programs, you've heard their stories and I'm sure stories range from very small incidents, like I was, I was pushed down or I, you know, some small sure. type of incident that was still abusive to very extensive abuse situations. Tell me about some of those. I know there was one woman who really had an, an interesting um, and very scary defining time in her life. Right. Um, tell me a little bit about that. That's something too that, and, and I don't want to say that this program is only for people who have suffered abuse or in these situations. I have women who come to my classes who just want to get some skills. They just want to build on their skill set and put something in their toolbox. And they've never been in any kind of situation like this. Right. Right. And then on the total opposite end of the spectrum, I have women and I'll tell you a couple of them and, and this is going to get graphic. And, but that's mm-hmm. the thing is I don't, I don't want to sugarcoat anything and I don't want people to think that it's not as serious as it is. Um, I was, I teach nationally. So I travel all over the country to teach this, this program. And I was up in Oregon um, and I taught a self-defense. Pro- so this would have been last August. I had a woman who had been in an abusive relationship up in Oregon. She, 
finally got enough courage to leave, kind of like me. Mm -hmm. Uh, She went down to California. She was working, um, starting a new life down there. Her ex had, unbeknownst to her, followed her, stalked her, and would watch her when she was coming and going from work and home and all of those things. And one night she went out to her car after work. He had gotten into her vehicle and he raped her in her car. Mm. And she, of course, um, didn't know what to do. She called the police. The police, (laughs) which this is kind of a similar situation to to mine as well, the police said, well, you should take a self-defense course. It's like, Mm. thanks, guys. Kind of after the fact there, but appreciate the help. (laughs) And it was, I've had kind of similar situations where my ex had destroyed my car. I called the police and they said, well, we could drive you over to the battered women's shelter. And I'm like, awesome. (laughs) It's just like, yeah. (laughs) So uh, anyway, they had told her you need to take a self-defense course. She's completely traumatized. She signs up for a self-defense course. She walks in and it's all men. Mm -hmm. And she promptly turns around and walks out. And she said it wasn't until she saw that I was in town that she saw that it was taught by a woman that she decided to come in and take the class because she was so intimidated and so scared to put herself in a situation where a man was teaching. I've had another woman who wasn't in a relationship with this person, but just kind of ran in the same circles And she was sleeping one night and he broke into her home and stabbed her 17 times and then set her house on fire as he left. And she got out. She got out and she told me I'm stronger for it. Um, I've had a woman who was taking her trash out of her apartment complex. She was assaulted out by the dumpster at her apartment Mm -hmm. complex. I've had another woman who was at age 14 roofied and gang raped. And she didn't want to take a self-defense course until about, gosh, she's in her late 20s, early 30s now. Yeah. So, like I said, from women who just want to improve their skills or gain some knowledge or become more aware, all the way to women who have been truly, fully traumatized, Mm -hmm. um, abused, assaulted. Right. I think it's a good point that you make that I kind of skimmed over the fact that really self-defense courses in your program is not just for women who have encountered a situation. It is also for preventative measures, learning how to protect yourself. Um, The other point I'd like to make, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but that that women should report to the police if they're comfortable doing that. Um, the, The legal justice system is a difficult one, but if you feel like you want to have that person prosecuted at some point, you know, you do need to report it and hopefully the experiences I I've have spoken with some women who have reported it because they wanted to pursue it and mm-hmm. felt that their experience was, was fairly positive. So mm-hmm. I don't want to discourage women from reporting it to the police. I don't, I mean, I know in your situation, maybe uh, it was minimized, but, um, for the legal justice system part of it, if you do want to eventually prosecute, you do have to go that route. Definitely. Um, And that's the scary thing too, is right now we have less than 40% of women who are experiencing any kind of violence. um, mm -hmm. That Less than 40% right now are actually seeking help. And then less than 10% of those women are actually going to the police. 
So you've got to think about these women who are experiencing this, who are not saying a word. And in Mm -hmm. my case, Mm -hmm. um, which is definitely not as, as tragic as some of the things that I've seen come through my doors, but it it is embarrassment. It is, or I wasn't ready to leave. And so why would I want to cause more problems Mm-hmm. by calling the police. But the poli- I had called the police a handful of times during my relationship mm-hmm. with this person because I didn't know what else to do. It, yeah, at the least, at the least, they have it documented. Um, exactly. It, so, you know, it, it is important. And, and you're right. I've reviewed statistics recently and I've seen that women just really do not report it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very prevalent in college campuses, sexual assault and things like that. Um, so, uh, the self-defense programs are important before, before you have to get into a situation where something like this might happen and it's, and women are always, almost always blame themselves. Oh, I did this or mm-hmm. I shouldn't have done this. And it doesn't matter. Um, it, a crime yeah. is a crime. Um, yeah. And they start to question to themselves. They, they do. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit about why you began the program and, and you gave some examples. Uh, the other thing I'd like to touch on, because since we're talking about statistics, um, really people don't recognize that sexual assault and abuse like this is really a type of pandemic. And because we're in a different type of t- pandemic with COVID right now, maybe it's not viewed as much as, as the pandemic that it truly is. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other statistics that you've um, noticed. So right now, and that's the interesting thing is that the UN, because of COVID and because of the lockdowns and people that are staying home, and then of course, all the heightened stress and then actually increased drinking and all of that, the UN is now calling domestic violence or, and violence on women. I shouldn't even just yeah. say just domestic violence, but just violence against women, mm-hmm. the shadow pandemic. Okay. So it's lurking in the backgrounds. And what we're finding out is, of course, um, from the World Health Organization, one in three women have experienced some sort of physical or sexual violence, mostly by an intimate partner. We find that out um, mm-hmm. when, we're, when we're researching that a lot of times. And even um, there's a book called The Gift of Fear. Uh, the author talks about exactly that, like that most of the time it's not a spur of the moment um, done by a stranger type situation. Those are the ones you hear about, of course, but a lot of times this, this type of violence is being done by somebody that you know. Mm-hmm. And then, and this is really awful. And this is from the Arizona uh, Coalition and Sexual and Domestic Violence. One in five women in the United States has been raped in her lifetime. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So if you think about your circle of friends. Yeah. And you put you and four friends in a room. That's the kind of stuff I think about. (laughs) Yes. So let's talk a little bit briefly about why your program, why you think it's a little bit different from some of the other programs. I know we mentioned uh, because a woman teaches it and you have that experience. How is it, how is it designed and how does it evolve? Because I, because I've been training for so long. And of course, when I finally decided, and like I said, it was, it was a click. It was just one day I just said, I'm done. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I was done. <laughs> um, but I had been training martial arts, but it wasn't until after I got out of that 
relationship that I started to help out my sensei with self-defense classes. And, and then when Richard and I, which of course was in my last interview, talked about Richard, uh, when we opened up Peaceful Warrior Martial Arts, we started to teach self-defense and, and I was kind of in the forefront of that, kind of leading that, that program. And then when I started teaching nationally uh, is when I really started to develop the Peaceful Warrior Woman because I had heard so many stories. And this is one of the things that I started to see a pattern is that women who had been assaulted, they would come in and during the physical portion of the class, so after they had done all the pad work and all of that, we got into true defense where we would put them in these situations. They wanted to um, kind of replay what had happened to them. So they wanted to replay their traumatic experience. And so they would say, could you do this? Or could you put me in this hold oh, or whatever the right. case was? And that's so detrimental mm-hmm. um, because now they're, they're basically telling themselves, well, I could have been able to get out of that. I should right. have known. I sh-. And now they're, they're just harping on the past. So I started to put all of those components together, my personal experience, the experience of the women who were coming through the program. And then I started to pressure test everything. And that's another thing that I have taken so many self-defense classes and one, they're either taught by men and I'm, I love, I love you guys, but as, as sympathetic as you can be, and I know plenty of men who, who teach these courses, who have wives and sisters and daughters who would just rip someone's eyes out if something happened to their yeah. <laughs> loved one. I get it. But what I, what they're never going to get is that fear that we feel, you know, walking outside women sometimes. And I, I get this all the time. They have to ask themselves, do I feel safe enough to, to go take the dogs on a walk or to go on a hike today by myself? Right. Guys don't have to think about that. Or women, when, I, when I'm in class, I'll say, where do we park in a parking lot? And every single one of them, near a light, by the front doors. Mm-hmm. Do you think a guy goes into the Home Depot parking lot and thinks like, well, I should probably park by the front door like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> to be safe? So that's one thing. And the other thing is, like I said, I pressure test everything. So a lot of times when women take courses, the instructor loves to make everything look so easy. Because, yeah. well, look, look at you just throw one palm heel strike to the nose and that's it. And they're out of there. And they don't realize how difficult it truly is. So I spend a lot of time in classes debunking what women have been either taught by the media or taught in another self-defense class, like the way we hold mm-hmm. our keys. I'll ask, I'll ask the girls every single class I do, how have you been taught to hold your keys? And every single one of them in the room, there's one person who wants, who holds the keys, like in a punch position mm-hmm. between their middle and pointer finger or, all right, tell me what you've seen on TV about how to get out of a front choke. And every single one of them will say, well, you clasp your hands together and then push up really, really hard. I've done it. I've done it on mm-hmm. television. I've done it in front of people where I've been choked so hard that I almost pass out trying to get out of that the way they tell me how to get out of it. Right. Because they've gotten some ridiculous information. Um, so I pressure test everything. Right. 
to a point where I've been injured, thrown down on the ground, had my trachea damaged, you name it. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I'm not going to give a woman information that isn't accurate. And I know there are other types of self-defense uh, discussions out there or stereotypes mm-hmm. that are really unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to touch on that a little bit? Um, so one thing is, is that there are some self-defense program programs out there that are taught by women, but the women have no practical, practical experience. They're life coaches or, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and I think that they have something to add as far as valuable information about probably mental fortitude, um, maybe belief systems, maybe self-value, but they don't have the physical component, nor should they be teaching the physical component, especially yeah. if they have no experience. Yeah. I think they have, I think they're a tool we can use, sure. you know, maybe to encourage you to take self-defense and encourage you to believe in yourself and those mental components that are, that are truly important in self-defense, mm-hmm. but they are not the self-defense experts. Absolutely. Um, what about martial art media that we see out there? As far as self-defense go, like people. Yeah. I mean that we, we see um, how women are depicted maybe in, in martial Mm -hmm. arts and how that relates to some of this. You know, it's funny. I have this slideshow presentation and kind of in the beginning, like as women are walking in, because of course they're nervous. Mm -hmm. Most of them have never taken a class before. They're nervous. They don't know what they're going to do. Do they have to hit someone? Ah. Yeah. And so I kind of have some funny slides running just to kind of ease the tension a little bit uh, as people are walking in before we get started. And the question I pose is when you think of self-defense, women's self-defense, what do you think of? And I can go on the internet and just type in women's self-defense and the pictures that pop up are hysterical. Like you have the woman in her high heels and her Mm -hmm. pink stilettos who's throwing a gorgeous high kick. And then that's the picture that she uses. And even if she is a martial artist, she's typically kind of like the year and a half paid for my black belt kind of karate person or Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. who now advertises, you can be pretty and and do self-defense and they make it look like a Jimmy Choo ad and and they don't show how dirty and gritty and violent it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's an advertising tactic. And yeah, you know, outside of self-defense, just in the martial art realm, I have complained about this so many times because it's just, that is not what a martial art woman looks like. I mean, she may be that fit. Some are, but they never, somebody who's serious about their martial art never portrays it in their, you know, in a sexy way. Now, you know, I'll say I've taken pictures of me doing kicks in street clothes with high heels on. Right. With the point being, you're going to be out there looking like this, not probably, you know, if you're a professional woman in an office or whatever, you're not going to be walking around in your uniform, Um, (laughs) you know, uh, but the advertising that we see really it's uh, it it is funny because yeah martial arts are not a sexy thing. There are a lot of weirdos out there who look at it that way, but it's it really <laughs> isn't. Um, and to be serious about it, we should really 
keep that in perspective. Um, and, and for women who are interested in self-defense or, or martial arts, I always say, you don't have to look a certain way. Trust me, you don't mm -hmm. have to be even in a shape. You don't have to be fit. You just need to learn. And I think that's um, important that we need to recognize, too, that assault happens to all types of women. It doesn't just happen to the young, pretty girls or, you know, the sexy women because that's how they look. I mean, assault right. happens to everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So even women from all walks of life, it's happening mm -hmm. in every demographic, every community, every income level, yes. small towns, large cities. I tell the girls that all the time. Most of the time I'll teach in Scottsdale at the dojo. And so I've got all these women who come in from Scottsdale and I'm like, don't think because you live in Scottsdale, this kind of stuff doesn't happen mm -hmm. here. <laughs> right. Right. I think that's an important point that we need to make. Mm -hmm. Whatever demographic, wherever you live, whatever you look like, you know, things can happen to you. And too, just to that point is that a lot of the advertisements like we were talking about are of the, the fit fitness girl who is throwing her kick with her pink stilettos or she's wearing this cute little crop top that says mm -hmm. girls fight back or whatever the case is, you know, moxie up, you know, <laughs> those kinds of things. Yeah. It's, those taglines just drive me nuts. But um, I have women who are older, 60s and older who come in and mm -hmm. we're doing groundwork and I'm, I am not going to make getting off the ground look like it's a simple feat. It's not, it's not yeah. Yeah. some 200 pound person on top of you. And mm -hmm. you're in your 60s trying to now get not only free yourself from being pinned, but now get up. It, yeah. You you don't want to give anybody the impression that it's just a breeze. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very important. Let's step back a little bit to some of your personal experiences, because I'm sure when you teach self-defense to women, you have some type of emotions and we talked before that you know men aren't always the best instructors because they haven't maybe experienced it or understand it but you've not only experienced it you understand it but how does that affect you emotionally when you're teaching this to other women knowing what's happened to you in your own past yeah um you know i i still to this day get emotional it wasn't until probably, I want to say just maybe a couple years ago, I certainly, when Richard and I were teaching together, and of course he was so great because I would teach and then he would be my uke, basically poor guy. And yeah. I would just beat the crap out of him and stuff. And that was great. And he was always so wonderful with the women and all of that. And, and I never talked about my past relationship in when I was talking about like when we were teaching. Right. Um, it wasn't until maybe a couple years ago that I started to share just a snippet of a personal story. And then I started to share just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And by the time I realized what was happening, all these memories started flooding back. And what was really interesting is at, after class or in a break, the women would come up and say, thank you for being so relatable. And I had never wanted to talk about my story because it was so embarrassing. Like, yeah. here's this woman who's doing martial arts, who's getting the crap kicked out of her at home. And I definitely do not want to let people know that that's happening, nor do I want to talk about it. 
And so what ends up happening now, especially, is that anytime I'm demonstrating something, I have a tendency to get very emotional. And it's not so much emotional like I'm having flashbacks of my past. It's more of that anger that these women even have to be there today. (laughs) Like, I am so upset that they would even have to put themselves in a position where they feel so unsafe or so uncomfortable that they have to come in and take that class. Yeah. And I find myself getting emotional and I tear up and, you know, it's just, and I start thinking about the women who have been in situations, brutal situations, and that sets me off. It's hard not to get emotional and emotionally attached to these women. Um, Especially, I think the ones that are really hard for me is when they're kind of trying to reenact what happened to them. Yeah. Yeah. It's very emotional. Yeah. And another reason why I think a a woman instructor is very important because the emotions are relatable. Even Mm -hmm. if we haven't had the experience, we can relate to that and, and want to do what we can to prevent it, help ourselves, help other women. Uh, so you're definitely there providing a very valuable resource that's that's genuine, that's realistic, and those are really key when you're teaching other people um, for for them yeah. to believe and trust in you. Yeah. And some of the photos that have been taken, I mean, if you look at some of the pictures, of course, we've had permission <laughs> to post these, mm-hmm. but if you look at some of the photos, I mean, just the looks on these women's faces not only the woman who is practicing, who, who I might be grabbing or one of the guys might be grabbing, but the, the looks of the women who are watching, they are so mm-hmm. filled with compassion. I mean, you see it in their faces like, oh, I, I hear you. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, that's, that's the kind of camaraderie and the energy that, that being in that group brings. That's right. different. Yes, it's fun. And yes, you get to hit stuff. And yet, but realistically, like when you're really looking at it, that level of compassion and, and empathy is, is very profound in those mm-hmm. classes. Right. And I always tell them, um, especially the ones that have been assaulted, this is, this is your hero's journey. You don't have to live there. This is your, it happened just like with me, it happened and we can learn from it. And now we move forward. And we don't live there. Right. And so these are the tools that I, I, I tell them to, like, especially the ones that kind of want to reenact, you know, let's leave that there. You don't have to do that. Let's put some new tools in your toolbox, some new skills, and then let's move forward. Right. So we don't dwell. Now, you've mentioned Richard a couple of times. And if somebody hasn't listened to your prior podcast uh, where we talk about you and your journey, your martial art journey, uh, just touch a little bit on who Richard was and um, or is and uh, how he was involved with you in the martial arts. Yeah, definitely. So Richard was my partner in business and in life. Um, he it'll be three years now. He passed away not too long ago. So December of 2017 is when he passed mm-hmm. December 27th. So it's been a little over three years our anniversary was yesterday. Yeah, I saw the pictures. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, but he and I met through actually my sensei. So he was coming in to spar and we met 
through that and I mean, just connected immediately, fell in love. Both of us had a passion for the martial arts, decided we were going to start a karate school, started Peaceful mm-hmm. Warrior Martial Arts and <laughs> everything yeah. and else. And the is rest history. is history, That's right? right. And That's um, awesome. when he passed, it, it, obviously some changes happened around the dojo. It's amazing, like kind of what trauma does to people. I mean, we had people up and quit. We had people honestly like starting rumors. We had all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we had just this core group of amazing, fantastic, wonderful people that just took the ball and said, we're doing this. Yeah. And we are growing and changing and and we're still going strong, even through Richard's death. We lost another one of our high ranks in our in our dojo, Rinchy Allred, and then COVID. Yeah, and it's like here we are. <laughs> <We're still here. laughs> A lot of challenges, but if martial artists know anything, it's that we we must overcome. That's right, the challenges perseverance. the best we can, <laughs> or adapt. You know, yeah. change, adapt, do what you can. Yeah. Tiffany, where can people reach you as far as websites or any other contact information you'd like to provide today? Sure. Yeah. So our website is Peaceful Warrior PHX, like Phoenix, Peaceful Warrior PHX.com. And you can find um, a lot of information about the self defense program. We actually have another class coming up on February 6th, but I teach them okay. quite frequently. I have found because we're getting a lot of requests for them. And I do a lot of private groups too. That's one thing that people, so I have women who are realtors and they're in a realtors association, or they are in a hiking group or a running group and they set up classes just for their groups too. And that's how that helps. It keeps it smaller. They feel comfortable um, with the whole COVID thing and all that. So it's, it's actually really beneficial to set up a group a kind of like a private group training session. But like I said, we have one coming up on February 6th. We have a YouTube channel. I have a playlist that with a lot of the women's self-defense uh, tips and some techniques. We have, a, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. So you just got to search Peaceful Warrior Martial Arts and <laughs> the yeah. logo is our black and white uh, uh, yin yang with Mitsu Tomoe and Richard's picture in it. And that's not changing. <laughs> okay, that sounds great. Well, Thank you so much for being on the show today and talking about some real specific self-defense information about what women should look for in the programs and why having a woman instructor is important. That's not to negate that a class with a man instructor is not going to be beneficial in some way. Um, It just sounds like it's just more conducive for the learning if the, the instructor is someone who can really relate to what the situation is all about. Yeah, and I have a team of men, of people from the dojo, these guys, Sensei Carlos and Darren and Sunil, and mm-hmm. these guys, I mean, they're there and they're there to attack. Here's another thing that I didn't talk about. Sometimes the the new or the the self-defense programs are taught with those big bubble suits, like the red man suits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the guys will pad up, and they put them on and then uh, the women can like throw her palm hill strikes like six inches from the guy's face because he's got this gigantic bubble on his head. Yeah. We don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, they need to know what it's like. And obviously with control, they're not going crazy, but we can all take hits. And we do. Trust me. We've had bloody lips and bruised <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> faces and stuff like that from attacking. But I, I want them to know 
what it feels like to hit flesh and bone Mm -hmm. or to, or for someone to be that close. If you're in one of those gigantic red man suits, it's really hard to like put somebody in a rear bear hug or something like that. And that's a common attack are grabs and holds. They're not going to come up and just sucker punch you. Right. They want to control you. So they're going to grab you and hold you. And if you're wearing this gigantic suit, you're not going to be able to put them in an authentic grab. And the women also aren't going to be able to feel what it really truly feels like to be grabbed like that. Hmm. And so the men who I work with, they take it, (laughs) they take one for the team. I tell you, because they come in and they, they put these women in these positions and grab them and throw them on the ground and all sorts of stuff. And and they're getting beat up and, but they are such a valuable resource and such contributors of this program right. as right. well. So I, I don't yeah. want to diminish men, but I think that it's more relatable yeah. for women to be taught by a woman. And then the guys are there to offer support and help and guidance and, you know. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, it's been a lot of fun talking to you again. I'm glad we keep in touch so so frequently. And I hope you have a great day. We'll get this posted real soon. Thanks, Andrea. You too. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Overcoming and incapacitating 